Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's Sales Talk Podcast. Diving deep into the world of sales and entrepreneurship by interviewing top leaders and influencers from around the world so you can overcome obstacles and achieve success. And now, here's your host, international best-selling author and business expert, Anthony Garcia. Catapulting Commissions family. What's up, team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Family, do I have a treat for you today? Our guest is world-renowned. He's a top 100 business coach. He's a host of the Top Entrepreneur Podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about David Meltzer. He's a legendary sports executive, entrepreneur, and investor. David co-founded Sports One Marketing and formerly served as the CEO of the renowned Lay Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. He's an international best-selling author. He's the executive producer of the Bloomberg and Apple TV series, The Two-Minute Drill and Office Hours. He's also the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, Elevator Pitch. He's featured in many books, movies, and TV, such as The World's Greatest Motivator, Think and Grow Rich, and Legacy and Beyond the Secret. So he is the man, none less to say. So his life mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy, This simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, that's value. In all his content and communication, that's exactly what you'll receive. For the past 20 years, David has been providing free weekly training to empower others to empower others to be happy. And I got to say, it's a treat to have David on the show. Took a lot of work to get him on this podcast, and I'm excited to have him. He is one of the guests that was on my vision board when we launched the show four years ago. So, David, my friend, welcome to the Catapulting Commissions podcast. No place I'd ba- rather be with the subtopic and topics of uh, sales and entrepreneurship. So I'm in the right place at the right time, that's for sure. Well, I'm glad to have you here, David. I want to jump right into this. When, when people join the journey of entrepreneurship or high-income sales, like I look at myself 20 years ago when I started this venture. In my mind, it was like a straight lineal shot up. But in reality... It's not like that. I'd love for you if you can kind of dive in some of the adversities that you've overcome on your journey to the level of success and any advice you'd have to this generation of entrepreneurs and high performers that are dealing with adversity that's kind of really out of their control right now. Yeah, well, look, you can't find outside of you what you don't see inside of you. And so that's the first challenge we have when we start out as entrepreneurs is we're less familiar and we haven't had the time to create awareness of our progress. What creates progress is energy, and the energy that creates progress is behaviors. Behaviors aren't just instantaneously created. Behaviors are developed and evolved. Our basements, our skills and knowledge, they vary in degree, but the delta in our lives, the delta that creates high performance, the delta that creates entrepreneurship, the delta that creates our potential is by behavior. Now. The aspects of behavior, uh, which for me uh, have really been a detriment in my first journey, is that behavior as an energy, just like money, both very important in the journey that we're discussing here today, behavior, uh, it's interesting because good behavior and bad behavior are both energies, and they both take the same amount of time uh, to manifest uh, the awareness of the progress that we're making. So what do I mean by that? That if whether in high performance sales or entrepreneurship, it's going to take a certain amount of time before we see the positive 
outcomes of the positive behaviors. But the inverse is true as well. It's going to take an extraordinary amount of time to see the outcomes of negative behaviors as well. And there lies, I think, the biggest challenge uh, that I had in my career because early on, I had really good behaviors that were aggregating. And as I got the outcomes that I desired, I changed my behaviors thinking that I was Midas, that money would just always be there. All my decisions were correct. And sooner or later, the aggregate effect of bad behaviors, surrounding myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas, two things I didn't do early in my career, they all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere. Just like people will say, oh my gosh, you're an overnight success. You're not. The same way you're not an overnight failure either. Uh, And so when we understand behavior and we create values and daily practices to make sure that we're disciplined in the positive behaviors so that we're consistent and persistent in the pursuit of the better or best outcomes, that's when this success happens. Here in a nutshell, though, is the problem. Good behavior, especially today with younger people, they're so used to instant results. You know, you know what an instant result for me, Anthony, when I was young was the ATM. I remember going, oh my God, I don't have to spend an hour in the bank. It's only 10 minutes to get my money out of a machine. Like, this is amazing. Like, could you imagine today an instant result being a, an ATM? You're like Venmoing and, you know, zelling money everywhere in two seconds, depositing checks with one picture. You know, you don't have to leave your bathroom. Uh, it's incredible. But here's the problem that we expect instant results by good behavior. So 99% of the people quit before they even see a result. 99% of the 1% don't allow that first result to evolve into a successful outcome. And another 99% will even quit before they get to where they want to be or better. Now, the opposite is true. When we have bad behaviors, We don't think there's going to be a result because there's nothing instantaneously that shows us that the wrong people, the wrong ideas, drinking, drugs, other bad behaviors are aggregating at the same pace as the positive behavior. So it's too late like it was for me because all of a sudden I see a result. Oh, geez, you know, I don't have that line of, oh, I I owe this. Oh, my God. Next thing you know, it's too late. And just the same amount of time, all of a sudden I can't quit. And I end up in a bad place or a bad position. Man, there's so much truth behind that, David. I, I look at the behaviors. Two things to peel back the catapult commissions family. One, the behaviors. I, I can't st- agree with that enough. I look at my life, and, and I have found, uh, you know, five or maybe even six years ago. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, David. Six years ago, I was surrounded by a group of friends, and I realized, without boasting or bragging, I was the most successful person within that group. And I quickly was like, no wonder why I've plateaued. Like I have. I had literally plateaued. I made the same amount of money, same vacations with my family. There was nothing different. Surrounded myself with a new set of peers. Not that I discredit my peers. I still love them, but the journey I wanted to go for. And I quickly became the poorest person in my circle. And you know what? I love it. I absolutely love it. Cause I'm it, you know, I'm turning 40 this year and I'm humbled. Like I was when I was 22. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm not thinking about, you know, I'm not thinking about watches and homes. I'm thinking about jets and different and just different things where my peers are. I'm like, okay, so, but the behaviors I see from these high performers is exactly what you said. It's just, it's a series of steps that get people su- successful. And the journey, you mentioned something about people give up before they get there, right? Like they're giving up before they get there. Is that 
something that we associate to social media making it look like this journey of entrepreneurship is easy? Or is that because we don't have that right circle around us to, to elevate us to say, hey, you can get over this finish line when things get difficult? Yeah, I think it's both of them, right? I think too many people see snapshots of success from people that aren't successful, people who are standing in front of stuff they don't own and buying things they don't need to impress people they don't like. So I think there's a lot of that where we see other people having things and they're 19 or 20 years old, but they don't really have what they're presenting. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, I have a great chain of feeding. Uh, and just like you, you know, if I'm in a room and I'm the smartest one in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Uh, and I know that I am the aggregate effect of the five closest people to me. So I make sure that the five closest people to me are world thought leaders, people like Dr. and Master Shah or Saad Guru or Deepak Chopra or Tony Robbins, whoever it may be, that beyond my wildest dreams, the guys that I dreamed of being are now my associates, right? Mm. Are now my associates. And I know that I'm not the smartest one in the room, like you said. And I know that my bank account is slowly but surely rising to the size, scope, and scale of their wealth and their abundance. And so, yes, it's a, 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 an amazing thing that both play a role. You know why? Is because we can never overachieve our own self-imagery. And what creates our self-imagery is what we think, do, say, believe, and feel. And if we think, say, do, believe, and feel what other people want for us, we're not going to have a, a great high-achieving self-imagery. But if we think, say, do, and believe those people that feed us, and, and here, here's a logo for, for you, Anthony, and for your community at Catapult. I have one arm stretched way out here and one arm back here reaching up. Why do I say that? Because it's amazing to me that the only people that tell me I can't do it or think I'm crazy or laugh at me, scoff at me and make fun of me are the people below me that I'm trying to help up to where I am. And all of these people up here, all they're doing is encouraging me and saying, hey, how can I help you? It's not that hard, Dave, but you got to put the work in and don't quit, right? You got to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. And I'm willing to help you because I'm already here. Don't pay the dummy tax that I've paid. But here's the, you know, remind yourself, if somebody's telling you, you can't do it, first question out of your head is what are they doing, right? The reason they don't think you can do it is they know they can't do it because they can't achieve or overachieve their own self-image. So I can't tell you how many things in my life, including out of law school, getting in the internet, how many people, including Justice Scalia, uh, the Supreme Court told me nobody will ever do research on a computer. You need books, <laughs> right? So don't listen to the people bleeding you. Listen to the people that are feeding you. And most importantly, don't believe what you see on social media or the internet. These are snapshots of people of what they haven't done or what they personally want you to believe, which isn't true. Oh, I, I love that you say that, Dave. I love that you, you mentioned that social media. I have two teenage daughters. I want to make sure they hear that from you because we recently had this conversation driving into to LA. I, I live in Bakersfield, 100 miles north of Los Angeles, but we, we head into to LA and there's always cars and trucks and they look at them. I have a five-year-old pickup truck that I love. It's mine. It's paid off. It doesn't belong to anybody. And I'm like, you know what? My truck runs perfectly fine. I'm 6'3", big guy. It fits me. I don't need one of these cars. Maybe when I'm older and you guys are away in college, but right now I'm content. And it's, it's 
I have learned my definition of, of wealth and, and, and prosperity has been freedom. The ability to do the things I want when I want, not, and, and it's just ability to have those choices. But one thing that I've heard some really successful people, including yourself, mention this, is there's a component of gratitude that comes back that helps. I, I don't know how to explain it. And I don't know if I'm just speaking out of my air, but like the more grateful I am for what I have, the more things become abundant. And I don't know if you could talk a little bit about how you've taken that approach on gratitude and how you're utilizing it in your personal life, your business, as a family man, as an entrepreneur, et cetera. You have a three-step approach uh, to being in the flow. And being in the flow is understanding that abundance. You know, I live in a world of more than enough. Uh, the world of more than enough is sponsored by an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, abundant, infinite system of thought. Uh, of something bigger than me that loves me more than my mom. So in the context of being in the flow, not being an influencer, spreading dis-ease to young girls out there, like my three daughters, 24, 21, and 18, I'm an influencer, right? I'm clearing the dis-ease, the misperceptions, so that you can harness the power of your potential through a source that is greater than you, that loves you more than your mom and your dad, that protects and promotes you. And the key component, the the engine, the Hemi engine of that truck is called gratitude. Why? It's a three-step process. You see, the first thing is when we learn to appreciate what we have, the word appreciation, as you know, in business means to add value. If your home appreciates, this is a good thing. When you appreciate all that you have, you as a vessel, you as an embodiment, you expand. And then as we expand through appreciation, the second step of gratitude is called acknowledgement. You see, you're at a stage in your life where you have acquired the knowledge of what you have. And the way that we acquire the knowledge of what you have is not to have it anymore. So we give it away. We lose it. We have it manipulated, stolen, or even cheated from us. And when we don't have it anymore, we now have the knowledge of it. The only way to acquire that knowledge is not to have it anymore. And now where most people fall down is they expand their vessel by appreciation. They have acknowledgement because either they give it away, spend it, lose it, cheat it, manipulate it away from themselves. But then they don't believe in abundance. They only believe in a zero-sum game. And so all that appreciation and acknowledgement dissipates, disappears, and dissolves back down to sometimes even less than they had before. When all they need to do is live in a value-add world, an abundant world, a protection and promotion, a belief and a faith that there's something bigger than them, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves them more than their mom, and ask for more, ask for help. That's why you have surrounded yourself with people who own jets and have thought-leading ideas and expand and accelerate their lives with what they do, say, think, believe, and feel far beyond our old friends who live their lives like tubes, food in, food out, food in, food out, rolling a boulder to the top of the hill every day just to have it roll down to the bottom the next day. Instead, we're living in appreciation, acknowledgement in the world of wishes and ass and hope and faith. And we know that when we ask others for help, when we ask for what we want, we're adding value because it's just gonna be appreciated and acknowledged more and continue the flow. And what I inspire and empower people like you to be as an influencer, to do this podcast and to give back to your community and your family and to the world, 
the idea of value and to add value in everything you do by creating a community of people who want to help each other and know people who can help each other. Stop living in a zero-sum game. Stop admiring the influencers spreading dis-ease. Be an influencer and learn to appreciate, acknowledge, and ask for more. Oh, man. Say it again. Catapult Commission's family. Rewind that. Listen to that again. There's so much power in just taking that moment and, and step. And as you were saying that, David, I, I, I had like this surreal moment because, you know, in, in business, and I'm sure you understand this, there's, there's, I have good days, I have bad days, I have challenges, adversity. And I have found myself at times recently where things would get challenging or a campaign didn't work or something didn't run the way it was supposed to. And I get frustrated and it, and it, and it would, it would, it would hit me hard. And so I got to the point where I was like, okay, let me take a step and, and sit back. And to hear you say that right now, I really appreciate you saying just, you know, kind of acknowledge where, what I'm at and appreciate. And for me, when you said that, I'm like, you know what, as a matter of fact, I should take a moment to appreciate. I work from home. I take my kids to school in the morning. I have breakfast with them every morning. If they want to have breakfast with me, they don't always want to. But I actually appreciate that because I once had a career where I was on in a hotel 150 nights a year and I didn't have those opportunities. So yeah, I, I love, I love that perspective on that. You know, switching this, this topic here, two things I want to get to before we, we run out of time here. One, I have seen entrepreneurs that have built these conglomerates still deal with the challenges and adversities that some of these startups do. And I think there's a misconception from newer entrepreneurs or newer successful uh, sales entrepreneurs, what I call them, that just because the money or revenue gets bigger, that the problems diminish. And I don't know if that's accurate. From what I'm told, it's not accurate. My business isn't at the conglomerate size that I believe it's going to be yet. But can you share with us little thoughts on there? Like, how do you handle and approach the challenges in your business now to where you're at compared to where you were 15, 20 years ago? I have a philosophy. No matter what size your business is, you're going to be punched in the face a minimum eight times a day. So the way, the way we deal with it, whether you're, and I've run billion dollar companies uh, and I've run startups, right? And every step of the way, I get punched in the face minimum eight times a day. And where the difference lies for the leaders of billion dollar corporations and conglomerates compared to startups is that I only spend minutes and moments after getting punched in the face, interfering with my potential. See, I've learned to take the setbacks, failures, mistakes, the punches in the face and only spend minutes and moments learning the lesson from it and moving back into my trajectory of what I want, who I can help, who can help me, how best to get it done with productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, prioritizing and reprioritizing at all times, knowing that time is the dependent variable of success because it is the dependent variable of all matter, subjective and objective matter, that allows me not to search for my why, but apply it. I'm applying my why because I'm connected to and through that great source that I talked about previously. And if you can spend minutes and moments in fear, worry, pain, setbacks, failures, mistakes, instead of days, weeks, months, and years, like most setup startups, that's the differentiator between the startup and the conglomerate. Everybody gets punched in the face a minimum of eight times a day. That's called life. You want to make God laugh at you? Come up with a well-developed plan. He's here to teach you. You're here to learn. But how many minutes and moments are you going to spend outside of your potential, your trajectory, trajectory, aggregating, accelerating, and compounding through 
your values, behaviors, and practices. And I will tell everybody, if you get what I'm saying or if it resonates with you, I will be happy to send your whole community my book that describes how step-by-step with key elements to do this. I will send the book. I'll pay for the book. I'll pay for shipping. I'll just email me, david at dmeltzer.com, david at dmeltzer.com. I'll send you to help you in this methodology of minutes and moments instead of days, weeks, months, and years. Oh man, I love that. Catapult Commission, certainly be sure to jump on that. We will have that in the show notes here. Uh, David, wrapping up you know, here last minute or two, one thing, adapt, new, we should go all in, be hesitant, technology. You mentioned earlier, you adapted on technology and legal research many years ago. Technology has, I mean, has advanced so much to the point where ChatGPT and the competitors and Microsoft and everyone's jumping in on this. Should we be all in and try to be early adapters or should we kind of wait? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think there's a different way to look at it that can be really beneficial. You're looking at someone that's been in technology longer than most people have been alive, right? I started in the internet, like I said, when my mom told me the internet was a fad. I hear the same things about you know, technology, AI, crypto, NFTs, Web3, same exact things I heard about Web1. But here's the way to look at it. Technology is your servant, not Mm. your master. So at whatever level aligned with your timing and risk tolerance, technology is your servant. Let it serve you because it's so efficient. It's so effective. It's so statistically successful. But don't let it be your master. Because it is not you. It doesn't have the co-creation capability, the curiosity. It doesn't have the inspiration. It is not protected and promoted by the source. It is not part and parcel of an infinite, abundant, all-knowing, unified system of thought. There is no love in AI. You are full Mm -hmm. of love, light, and lessons. Utilize technology to learn them faster, to hold and fulfill it more with passion, purpose, and profitability. Technology is your servant. It is a servant that will serve you aligned with your skills, your knowledge, and your desire. Don't let it be your master. Oh, man, I love that. It is a servant, not a master. Catapult Commission's family, be sure to adapt to that. Dave Mouser, thank you for joining the Catapult Commission's podcast. How does the family get a hold of you? What's the website's URL? It's all going to be in the show notes, but for those who are listening in the car right now, how do they find you? First, email me directly, david at dmeltzer.com. Obviously, my domain is dmeltzer.com. But if you forget all this and you're driving, just remember my name. You Google me, you'll find me. I'm on every single platform with a big community of people who want to help each other and know people who can help each other. My name's David Meltzer, david at dmeltzer.com. Please reach out and ask for help. David, thank you so much for joining the Catapult Commission's podcast. Catapult Commission's family, do me a favor. Go Go get connected with David. Send him the email, connect the book, be grateful, and I'm excited to have you guys. I love you as always, and I'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Catapulting Commission Sales Talk Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Anthony Paul Garcia. Until next time.